0: I, who, who enjoyed uh, Aaron's, Aaron's talk last week? I thought it was so great, wasn't it? I, I loved the things that he, um, he, he deliberated that he brought out. I thought he did a, such a great job of just giving some... Just really... Aaron's very, very practical, but he's very deep as well. So it's kind of this mixture of, of depth and practicality and, and these takeaways that we could take away. But there was something that he said that just struck me that I've been thinking about all week. And I think it's important... Ann and I were talking about this, you know, just the nature of topics in church. You can just move so quickly from topic to topic, and you kind of understand most of the things, and it's not an understanding issue, but um, you go so quickly through them that it's hard to kind of just retain some of those ideas, and so we've done our best to maybe take some time and talk about growth in a series or to take a little bit time to to, to just sit in an idea or in a topic, And um, and I just wanted to to carry on with what Aaron was saying. And I don't want to, to necessarily add anything, but maybe give uh, another, another look at that same passage of Scripture that he was looking at. And he looked at 2 Corinthians 5, and, and his title was, We're Ambassadors and Advocates. And he just talked about some really unique ways that we can be ambassadors of Jesus, how we can be ambassadors of Christ in the world around us. But there was, there was a, a passage in that Scripture that talked about this idea of persuasion, that we don't go out as ambassadors and kick people over the head, or I hope we don't. We, we don't go out as ambassadors to force people into, uh, into a belief system or to tell them that we're right and they're wrong, but that we go and persuade others. There's this, this passage they said about persuasion, and that's one of the things that I wanted to talk about this morning, is, is this idea of persuasion and how we can... Look at, and, and Heaven's Appeal, the title just comes, and, and I'll get to it. The word appeal comes into this verse as well, where it, said that God, where it says that God is making his appeal. And so appeal is what? Just a serious, urgent, heartfelt request. Um, and there's a, there's a, it's also a term in the court of law when you're, you, a decision has been made at a, at a lower court, and you're making an appeal. You're going to a higher court to see if you can get this, um, this other decision um, overturned. And I want to talk about those definitions in a little bit. But the thing that I want to look at is, is heaven's appeal or heaven's defense or, or God's, what is this thing that he's wanting to, to make? And, and, and when it's talking about God's appeal, it's talking about him reconciling himself to his people. God is far from a lot of people, and he wants to be made near. He wants to be close. Amen? And it's not just for those that don't know him. It's for us that know him, and we want to draw closer to him. So it's not, there's not ever a point, I, well, if anybody's already made it, where you've found the epitome of God and you've found everything, I think Ben Polson's close, but I, uh, and he would never, you know, he's the most humble guy, but I love his passion is infectious, but we've never made it in God. There's always more to him. There's always more to discover of him. There's already, there's always another side to see of him. And this morning, I want to look at a little bit of how we can uh, engage with this idea of what is heaven's appeal and how can, what is our part to play in that. But the first thing is I'm looking at persuasion and what, what is it to be persuasive? It's not easy to convince somebody of something, I don't think. Do we have any lawyers in here? Do we have any expert uh, negotiators who people always believe what you say the first time you say it? Persuasion, persuading something, persuading someone of something is not easy. I, I thought about um, when I was, I was hired at GEICO. They told me in the hiring process that they only accept 2% of people that apply. 2%. Angie applied, and Angie's much smarter than me, and they, they rejected her application right away. Angie's sister applied. Angie's sister's smarter than the both of us and they rejected her application right away. My brother, I, I'm not gonna say where he falls in smartness, he applied and he got through the first little like, you know, the first blip of, of interviews. After the phone interview, they, they thanked him and, and they sent him on his way, he didn't get through. Um, I have so many friends that, that wanted to apply and why they wanted to work at GEICO was really good benefits. It was one of the things that, that GEICO just, that brought, it was a big company in the States. And, um, So it was true. So it wasn't when they told me when they tell you that at first, you're like, yeah, you'd probably just say that so that you just make the people that got through feel good that were special or something. But I'm convinced it wasn't because I was smart. It wasn't because I was special. But the reason why I think I got into the doors at Geico was something that you all share with me. It's the fact that we're from New Zealand. I applied for GEICO because Angie and I were living here in 2010 and we were on our way back to the States. we just come. I wanted to show Angie what New Zealand was like and so we just we lived here for about nine months and, it, and it, was, it was a lot of fun. But I applied for this position from New Zealand and that was the thing that the guy I talked to on the phone couldn't stop talking about when I called him and I had to do a phone interview from here. And, and lo and behold, I, I did get the job. But what I was thinking about when you're trying to persuade someone of something, or when you're trying to convince someone of something that's, that's possibly difficult, there has to be a point of difference. There has to be a point of difference. Something that is very unique. Something that goes above and beyond the ordinary. And that's the, what's one of the things that I want to look at today in Heaven's Appeal. When we're making... The appeal that when we're when we're going in to persuade others, and I don't want to just think that it's persuading others to follow Jesus, but I'm just talking about expressing His kingdom. So that's that's with one another. That's just so this life of growing, and that's what we're talking about. We all have goals to grow this year, and to move forward, and to experience those things that we know that God has for us. In each of those things, we're bringing heaven's appeal. We're bringing the kingdom of God, and so. That is the thing that I want to look at today is what is the point of difference? What is extraordinary in the gospel? And I think, I think a lot of us, do you think that we could say what are some extraordinary things about the gospel? Just right off the top of our head. I think, I think we could easily do that, right? What I want us to consider even more than what's great about the gospel is how have we embodied about what's great in the gospel in the way that we are. The heart of what I wanted to share today, it's really not rocket science, but it's the calling back to the essence of if we're going to be making an appeal, I want to look at what does that look like, and so I I don't want to jump the gun. So this morning, I want to look at what is is the point of difference of heaven's appeal, and I've already given you the definition of what an appeal is. It's God's defense or his method of persuasion. The, The first one in the dictionary is make a serious, urgent, or heartfelt request. I wanted to, to, to just pause. And this, again, this comes from the scripture where it's, God says that he is making his appeal. It's in the same passage of scripture. It happens right after it says that we are his ambassadors. We are his ambassadors. God is making his appeal. And when I, just, when I heard the word appeal, I had to stop and say, what, what is this appeal? What is this thing that God is making? The, the first definition of appeal is a serious, urgent, heartfelt request. I wonder, I I was challenged by that definition of just looking at, does that describe me when I'm engaging in in spreading the gospel? Oftentimes I find myself wanting, I had a lot of bills to pay this week, so this was kind of a bills week. My head was in bills and focused on bills and making sure I forgot this bill and I had to call the state's. And so I go over to Bruce Billington's because he has got free calling to America, or at least I hope he does. So um, he's in the States now, so hopefully he doesn't listen to this. But I was in, in that zone. But how many of us get in that zone? Or how many of us just get into this daily routine? Is, the, is there a serious, urgent, heartfelt request? Is, is, there, is that the nature, serious, urgent, heartfelt? Those are some significant words. And I think... What I want to call us to this morning is just considering and looking at when we're going about this idea of growth, and specifically, what was Aaron looking at? Engaging the people around us, engaging them with the love of Jesus, engaging them with that. Does that, does that describe where you're at, what, what it looks like in you? I, I don't think I need to share the gospel all over with you. I think majority of us know, but I'm just, I'm just going to do it just barely, just briefly. What does John 3.16 say? Can we say it together? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him shall have not perish. I threw you all off. You did great. Let's, let's just stop there for a moment. Because how quickly do we rush through the components of our mission? For God so loved the world. God's love for us is extravagant, that he would die for us on a cross. The wages of sin is death, but he came to give us life and life more abundantly. His love for you is extravagant. A word that I'd written down is it's radical. You know the definition of radical? It's something that changes the very nature of something. My heart was stirred to pause and ponder the love of Jesus. If we're making an appeal, if we're engaging as ambassadors, I love the takeaways that Aaron gave us, and I just want to add this to the way that we do it, is we have to ponder the love of Jesus. We have to consider this extravagant, above-ordinary, extraordinary, radical love that is Jesus. It's too easy to get so far away from our, our salvation date, if it were, where we had this burning sense of excitement and passion that Jesus has saved us, of what he saved us from. Or maybe it's not even then. Maybe it was just when you broke free from something and God just miraculously did something we have to call back to how much God loves us. And we're going we're gonna to expand because it's not just about loving us. But when we come back to this making an appeal, a serious, urgent, heartfelt request, this is not just having coffee. You know, I love the song Coffee with Jesus. But it's not just going to have a coffee with somebody and oh well, oh well. But have you considered and have you pondered enough so that your spirit feels This serious, urgent, heartfelt need to express God's love. Is that in your appeal? The second second definition of appeal is apply to a higher court for a reversal of the decision of a lower court. And why I just wanted to pause here for a moment. If we're talking about in this passage of scripture where it says that God is making his appeal. I sometimes wonder if we think that the lower court has already won. I wonder if we think that the lower court has already won. But I, I, want it. the word that I feel God gave me just when I was looking at this, and this is just a definition in the dictionary, is there's a higher court that has a greater authority. And if it's in your life or if it's in someone else's life that you're wanting to engage for the gospel, a word that I would share with you is this. Is that when, and I'm, I'm going to jump the gun because I'm, I'm already going there, but... One of the keys is that it doesn't say that God is making his appeal by himself. It says that God is making his appeal through us. When we are making his appeal on his behalf, we have to go in understanding what is it that we're doing, even making an appeal. An appeal is saying what the world has said about this person, what they have concluded about this person, what the enemy has decided about this person, Actually, that's a lower court that has made that decision. There is a higher court, and his name is Jesus, that has an ultimate authority over the decision of who that person is and who they are and who they can, all they can be. So when we start to talk about being ambassadors, what I wanted to look at is, is maybe not even necessarily, and we'll get to some practical things, but the spirit that we carry as ambassadors when we're making heaven's appeal. The first is this, a spirit that's serious, urgent, heartfelt, carrying the weight of what the gospel is. The second, the definition of appeal, is going in with the knowledge that a decision has been made about this person. And again, I want to step back and, and say this isn't just for people that are far from Jesus. This might be people that are well into Jesus. There's never a we've made it. There's always a journey, right? Wherever we are. That I'm not going to make a decision that says this is where you are and this is where you're stuck. But I, I have a heart to see you grow my my job to make heaven's appeal because he's making his appeal through us to express his kingdom, to bring life into this place. His love will be expressed through us and we're going to talk more about that. But I have to go in knowing that if I'm entrusted of making an appeal. When I come in, I want to see through heaven's eyes and not make judgments and not break down that this is where you're stuck, but I want to see that there's a higher court that has a greater authority to declare who you are and what you can be. Amen? 2 Corinthians 5.20 says that God is making his appeal through us. This, this was a thought that, as Aaron shared last week, that continued to reverberate in me. What a responsibility. Did that not, that challenged me. It's, and, and this is, you know, I love it when scripture preaches for itself. God is making his appeal through us. Have you ever thought about how mighty God is? I think about it all the time. I'm like, God, you are so big. Like the things that you can do are just amazing. Like God, that person over there needs your help so much. God, just do it. Do it, Lord. And, and I'm not diminishing prayer. But God is making his appeal through us. That was a challenging thought and one that I just want to look at. Two thoughts that I have with this idea that God is making his appeal through this. The first is this, is compelled by love. Compelled by love. It says in the same passage in verse 14, For Christ's love compels us. Christ's love compels us. I spent time thinking through this, and maybe I overthought through it, but the word says to meditate on his scripture day and night. To not leave too quickly. The question I have for you is, is what, what was the thing that got you to engage with Jesus? If you can think back, maybe it's a long time ago. What, what was the breaking point of saying, actually, you know what? God, I'm all in. I'm all yours. What, what was that point for you? I bet if you would dig down deep enough, it would be some element of his love. His outrageous, extravagant love. If you dig down deep enough, and some, some people might say, oh man, I, I, it was a, a fear based thing. I was like, my, my dad always says that. He said he heard, he heard a, a hellfire and brimstone message, and he said, that's not going to be me. But I bet if you dig down deep enough, even there, you're going to find his extravagant love. I love the word compel. Compel is a very strong word. It's, evoking interest, attention, or admiration in a powerfully irresistible way. A powerfully irresistible way. If the thing that captured you was this powerful, irresistible love, then how would anything different be able to compel anyone else? It's compelling love that grabbed you. It will be compelling love that grabs anyone else on any stage of the journey that they're at. If God is making his appeal through you, I think this idea of compelling love being the thing that we as ambassadors carry is not a nice thing, but it's maybe the only thing that is important. There is nothing more powerful than the authentic, sacrificial love of Jesus. I love this. John 15, 12 says this. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Jesus commands us to love one another as he has loved us is that not challenging to anyone else? Because I think we just talked about how Jesus' love is the most extravagant, sacrificial, amazing, extraordinary love that there is. Can I encourage us to ponder on this idea of the extraordinary love that Jesus has for us and that if we're to make his appeal for him and it comes through us, Could we do any less than to express this same extravagant, above-ordinary, extraordinary love? Why am I encouraging this point? Is it so easy to get caught in the routine, the ordinary? It's so easy to to be in the place that I've done it before and I'll do it again. Pip shared with me last week, and I know she wanted to come up and share it, and and we were going to let her, but then she said, no, I'm, I'm okay at the end. But she shared a story of, of somebody had come and visited the, the church recently, and they were a child of someone that, that she, you had had the privilege of praying for or someone else had had the privilege of praying for. And, so, and they had been radically healed, transformed. It was this powerful story. But her takeaway was, I was so encouraged to love more intentionally, to go out of my way and go and pray for people more because she had lost that. I don't think Pip lost that because she loved any less. This is what I hope this morning serves as, I'm not, I, don't think we, I don't think we don't love with this. I think there's hearts filled with love here, but I think sometimes we need reminders to say, wow, look at this extraordinary love of Jesus. Am I carrying that compelling love when I'm being an ambassador? If we were bringing heaven's appeal, it wouldn't be heaven's appeal if we're not doing it with the same sacrificial, authentic, compelling love of Christ that first caught our hearts. Um, one of the, uh, when, another quick Geico story. Has anybody done any customer service surveys or, or spent time in, in analyzing those? I know, Jen, you probably have. One of the things that they look at with customer service surveys and how people respond is, you know, it's usually 1 through 10, right? Right. One through three are people that they're not very happy. You know, like they're, they're going to detract against your business. Like those are not the happy ones. But the thing that I found interesting is that anybody that was four through eight are actually not your loyal customers. Even somebody that would put something as high as an eight is they're happy enough with your service, but they're also happy as soon as a better offer comes or as soon as the competition goes, you know, a smidgen down, they're just going to pop over there. It's your nines and your tens that are the loyal customers that are sold out to what is happening. They're the ones that are, that are persuaded for your business more than anyone else. It reaffirms this idea that it's the extravagant and above ordinary. It's, it's, not, just, it's not just engaging with people and saying, Yeah, Jesus changed my life. It was pretty awesome. No. It's saying... It's going to the next level. And this idea of compelling love, I'm sure we're all showing love to everyone because that's what God created us to do. What I want to encourage and maybe challenge you to do is how can you take your love to the next level? That is my encouragement this morning. Whatever it is that you're currently doing, how can you take your love to the next level so that it's a 9, 10 level of service of love and not just an 8 service level of love? I was reminded of the story of extravagant love, the woman who poured perfume over Jesus shortly before he was crucified. I'll just read it out briefly. It's Matthew 26. Now, when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask, of very expensive ointment. She poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to them, to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. And pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me from burial. Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And another version of the story in Luke says, standing behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. I saw a a a commentary on on that passage specifically that said that wasn't normal practice. Well, you, you would think it's probably not normal practice, right? To cry and wipe him up with your hair. My hair's not long enough to do that. But what was, what was the thing that caught my heart with the essence of this? She went above and beyond. Her love that she was expressing for Jesus, she went above and beyond. It was a very expensive ointment. She wept. She wiped his, his feet with tears, which was not the ordinary, which was not the normal. It was extraordinary. It was extravagant. At the, at the core of heaven's appeal is love that is extravagant, is this next level This love is first from the Father to us. You can't give what you haven't gotten. And we we started off this morning by talking about the extravagant love that Jesus has for us. We first receive his love. And then I think we see in this story, this woman is responding back with the same love to the Father, to Jesus. But what did we just read? We are commanded to take the same love. That was so challenging me, to me, so challenging to me when I saw that we're to take the same love to others. Does that not, that starts to ignite something in me that, that, is, that is exciting. Because do you know when we come on Sunday morning and I hope that we're passionately worshiping and we're lavishing love on the Father, do you know where to take that same love? that same extravagant, above-ordinary love, and lavish it on the people around us. If heaven's appeal was His great love, and that is the thing that compelled you to go and follow Him, this, this irresistible thing that engaged you, He is making His appeal through us. It is that kind of sacrificial love that is going to engage people for the kingdom of God. It is that level of love that is going to make somebody... Whoa, what in the world just happened there? That was extraordinary. And I'm not talking about resting in our own strength, and this is a daily thing of getting filled up, and there's probably a whole other series of sermons in there. But on my heart this morning is to encourage you that Jesus loves you extravagantly. Not only does he love you extravagantly, we are to love him back and to love others with the same love that he has loved us with. What is critical is the compelling love of Christ needs to be made through us. We all are probably familiar with the scripture, Mark 12, 30, and it happens all over the show in the Bible. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is so many encouragements in the word of God that we've probably heard time and time again. But what I want to encourage you is to step out of the ordinary routine that you might have got trapped in, and what is the next level of love that you can bring? What is, what is, when I challenge myself, I used to be um, someone that I was good, I was good at a lot of things, but not, not very good, if that makes sense. I could do a little bit of just about everything. I can, of breakdancing, I can do the first little step thing, and it makes me look like I can do it. I can't do anything after that. I've just got the first little step. That's all I've got. What I want to encourage here, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, this is a new level of dedication towards, I don't want us to look at being an ambassador of Christ as, as like a side note or like a really nice thing to do. And the Aaron gave us some great takeaways. As ambassadors of Christ, we, we are the ones entrusted to make heaven's appeal for him the weight of that started to sit on me in a way of just saying, my goodness, it will not happen if we are not showing the extravagant, sacrificial love of Jesus. First Corinthians 13. It's a beautiful passage, and we hear it at all the weddings. Or, I already get stuck at the first one. Love is patient. Ooh. Come on, Jesus, take it easy on me. Love is patient. Love is kind. One of my favorite ones. It does not insist on its own way. My goodness. The description for love is all throughout Scripture. Have we taken time to say, does our life reflect that when we're engaging with people as ambassadors, making his appeal for him? I hope, I hope we spend time, maybe this week, considering what does it look like to be making heaven's appeal for him. I have rested often in my life saying, God, I know you're going to do a miraculous thing in this place, in this church. Go and help those folks. Go do it, Jesus. Do it, Jesus. Do it. Jesus, my wife, oh, man, help her. She needs so much help. Help her. I want to challenge. As a, I am heaven's appeal for Angie. Angie. I am heaven's appeal for Yodi. Yodi is heaven's appeal for me. We're we're all drawing one another further and further and further into the more that God has for us. Into the more life that Jesus has for us. I want you to be encouraged, but also set a standard for what all means for you. All will be different for each of us. We each have different capacity, and that's okay. I don't think we're supposed to look like one another when we do it. But it is supposed to be all of Matt. It is supposed to be all of Hadley. It is supposed to be all of Jeanette. And that's the thing that I think I really get so excited to see a church that would be filled with all in their love. Can you consider what it would look like to give everything? Not give everything to thinking about things that don't matter. Give your all in thinking about things that matter. How can you best express your love? And don't just, don't settle for ordinary, but go extraordinary, because that's the point of difference when we're looking at persuasion. That is the point of difference. That is heaven's appeal being made through us. What compelled you will compel someone else as you find connection points that Aaron talked about. Do it with a sacrificial, compelling love. Speaking of love, Valentine's Day. Did anybody celebrate Valentine's Day? Bruce, I know you got, you got something or other. He came in and said, Jesse, did you get something for Angie? I said, I give her a smile this morning, Bruce. That's what you... You know, I remember, I remember um, one of our, our first Valentine's Day for Angie and I. Man, we went all out. Angie, Angie went next level. She put me to embarrassment. But she set up like this, this maze at, my, at the university, and, and she knew where I sat in my desks, and there was, there was things. It was like all my favorite things, like, orange soda, and just really wonderful things, like hidden all over the place, and like, oh man, it was wonderful, and, and I remember I went all out, and I saved every single penny, like I scrimped, and I saved, I was a poor college, university student, I gave guitar lessons, and um, I just saved everything so I could buy her some, some pearl earrings, and I was so pleased with myself, and she was so pleased with herself, and man, did we love each other, and then this Valentine's Day, um, Angie bought my contact uh, uh no the contact just i needed more contacts so that's what she did for me on valentine's day this year our romance level has just reached a whole a whole new peak and i think what I don't, I don't even think i i took you out to dinner so i after after i realized what she did for me on valentine's day was to renew my contacts prescription i was like we should probably go out for dinner <laughs> we, we we need to do something here cuz this is not this is not the the usual What was I thinking about here? Why did I share that with you? You all said, where in the world are you going? As we're talking about compelling love, I really want to encourage you that I don't doubt that anyone here doesn't love their neighbor and doesn't love them extravagantly. I think sometimes, though, we have too many good intentions of love, and we don't have enough deliberate actions of love. I love Angie probably more than the day that we married but it's so easy to get into the routine of life because I had to pay a lot of bills and she had to renew my contacts prescription that that is the only exchange that happens between us. And I just thought about, is that reflective of how we can get in our everyday lives when we see the same co-workers and we turn up and we put our coats in the same place or we turn up in church and we sit possibly in the same seats and we get so used to just doing the same thing that there's no intentional moving away from love, The second second major point, if you will, that I would love to encourage you is A, compelling love, but B, deliberate action. This idea of deliberate action, moving from good intentions or pure feelings. I I think I woke up in the morning saying, man, I love Angie. And I might have thought, man, I think she looks beautiful this morning. But it takes deliberate action and going above and beyond the ordinary. It's really hard to receive love from just good intentions. Does anybody DC talk? Love is a verb. Love is a verb. I love that, that expression. And I know we've probably heard it before. But this morning, the thing that I'm just wanting to do is to pause. Because this isn't something that we can skip over and say, yep, I've done it and I've got it. If we're looking at this is something that there is an action required with it. No one will receive from you if you're not doing something. As much as I received being able to see when Angie buys my contacts, I would be in a bad place if I couldn't see. My, my love language is not acts of service or it's, it's not those things. It's not gift giving. So Angie didn't hit any of my love languages. It's just quality time. She has to listen to me talk for hours. I want to encourage you though. Love is a verb. And this is, this is not rocket science and I know it's not. But I want us to pause to say... Are we acting on the things that we want? You might say, I've been praying for a coworker for a really long time, and I hope that we have. Have you shown extravagant love, and have you acted deliberately on that love to that person? Have you gone above and beyond with them to show the compelling love of Christ because heaven's appeal is coming through you? Have you brought with that a spirit that says, I know where you are is not where you're set because there's a higher authority that says there's a different pathway for you? Is that the kind of love that you're bringing when you're engaging the people that are around you? We can be heaven's ambassadors, and we can have wonderful ideas to help draw Jesus out of them. And I love that, and I encourage you to go back to listen to what Aaron said. But if you do not bring this, this, this essence of the gospel, which is love, and, and I'm not saying just, you know, that the I think, is it Thomas Aquinas or somebody who says, uh, preach the gospel and, if necessary, use words. I'm saying use words as well. There's, word, there's nothing wrong with words here. But in your words, is it with this compelling, extravagant love? I'm challenged personally by that, and I hope you are too. The hottest fire will dwindle without more wood. Remain intentional and deliberate, action-based with your love. Looking at the same story of, of Mary at Bethany. Or it it changes a couple of people. But when the woman anointed uh, Jesus with perfume, and when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. Another version in Mark 14 says the disciples went as far as to scold her. They scolded her. That lavish, extravagant expression of love doesn't come easy. And I think why deliberate action or this idea of of making sure that we don't just let the love stay here and let, let it be a distant thing. A, first we're talking about that God, his appeal comes through us. His love comes through us. And if we're considering that his love comes through us, We have to be prepared to be persistent, determined, resilient. Whatever, Whatever descriptive words that you want to use, and here's the key, in action. Not just in intentions. Not, I love everyone so much and I want to see them do this. Are you resilient, persistent, determined? All of those things. Deliberate is one of the, fun, the, the words that continues to come out. She went through the scorn of others. She went through the scolding of others. She went through a, a litany of, I, I don't know if it was abuse, but a litany of, of blockades to be able to show this extravagant love of Jesus. But if we haven't determined that we are going to have a deliberate action, next level compelling kind of love, then we're going to be stopped when that first barrier comes. The 1st Can you imagine just trying to go in and, and breaking this up and everybody's talking about why are you doing this extravagant kind of love? Why do I think this story is so great? This extravagant kind of love, Jesus declares to us, we are to love other people as much as he has loved us. What a challenge to us and church I just encourage you can we meditate on that this week what does it look like how can you go next level love with the people around you and obviously I'm not saying that we wear ourselves ragged we have to be sensitive to the holy spirit where is he guiding you where is he leading you but this is this is something that we have to look at what we're spending our time and our energy on because I would rather not see it all cuz I can see a little bit if I don't wear my contacts I'll be able to find my bed and the restroom. But I'd rather make sure that I don't miss out on the moments here. Contacts aren't that important. Can we make sure that as a focus point for where we're going, if we're to be ambassadors of Christ, what does the most important thing have to be? It has to be love. And I'm not just saying, oh, love is wonderful. I'm talking about this next level love where, we, where we're challenging ourselves to give all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul. And not just loving God with all of that, because what does he say? Give that love to the people around you as well. Because heaven's appeal, the core of heaven's appeal is what? It's being made through us. That is so challenging. Now, aren't you grateful that we're not the only ones? And he's working in them and through them. and, And I'm so grateful that I have Bruce McKevitt to walk alongside. I'm so thankful that I have Jeanette. I'm so thankful that I have so many different people to walk alongside because he reveals himself in different ways through all of us. But it will only engage the people if Bruce is giving all of himself, if I am giving all of myself, if it's next level extraordinary love. Can we consider what it looks like to move to action the love of Christ? This compelling sacrificial love, the same love that Christ has already shown to us. He commands to give to others. Here's a really practical example, and then I'll close. I was up in my office, and my office is right next door to Ron's. I had a knock on my door, and Ron was not in his office, and it was an older gentleman, and he was just wanting to know if Ron was in. And I said, I'm sorry, he's not. And then he proceeded to, he said, thank you very much. And he said, okay, cool. And I think he might have made a passing comment that he was, he was going to go catch the bus or something like that, and he had a cane with him. So I stopped him. I didn't know the man. I said, hey, can I give you a ride to wherever you're going? And he, he, was, he would say, no, 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 it's fine. I said, no, it's no worries. I'm happy to give you a ride. And so I gave him a ride into Upper Hut and we just got to chatting, and he told me about a marriage that had broken up, and he just told me different things, and I explained to him what I did. And, and, and when I told him I worked for the church, he said, that explains why you're being so nice to me. And, and, and he was sincere, and he was so appreciative of it. I love this story. I didn't do very much. I took him into Upper Hut It's about... 30 second drive, you know, like it's it's okay. It was this was not extravagant. But you know what it was? It was above ordinary. It was I'm willing to just let this break in my day happen right now so that I can go. And you know, I ran into him the next day with his wife in the movie theater in Monterey. And it was his wife, but they they'd broken up and et cetera. I knew some of the backstory. And his wife came up to me and she said, He can't stop talking about you. Believe me, I'm not that special. I was so impacted by how going just above and beyond the ordinary truly persuades someone for the love of Jesus. This is compelling love, persuasive love, extravagant above ordinary. That's a really simple example. And I hope that those that we know a lot better, we can find ways because we know specifically what it would be for someone that would just touch them, that would just go to that extra level. If we want to be ambassadors of Christ, let's not convince them of a theology. Let's be the theology of love that Jesus is. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. I don't think we can understand or comprehend your love for us. But, Father, I pray that we would not stop on the journey of discovering your love. Father, I thank you that each and every one of us is at a different place in our walk with you, but Father, I thank you that we each have just as far to go. Lord, your love, it says, is endless. It stretches as far, and you forgive us as far as the east is from the west. Lord, that kind of love is is unfathomable. Lord, I pray that we would begin to grasp as your ambassadors some of that love, not just so we can receive it, but so that we can give it out. And Lord, if there's anyone in here that hasn't experienced that love, Lord, I pray that you would, you would break down some walls so they can start feeling some of it. Lord, I pray that you would break some routines this week so that we can express who you are. Lord, I pray that we would go above and beyond and give everything of ourselves to you as we're making heaven's appeal with you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you're moving already. You're already moving in the hearts of every one person here. Lord, I pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear where to give that extravagant love as we move. Lord, we we truly want to do justice to this idea of heaven's appeal, Father, that you are truly making your appeal through us. But, Father, I just thank you. I thank you that you died on the cross. I thank you that you're willing to die for me so that I could have eternal life with you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you saved me. I thank you that you saved the people that are here. But Lord, let us not just be content with that, but let us, let us love like you have loved wherever we go, Father. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.